We're going to be reading out of Acts chapter 4 and verse 31 to 37. If you'd like to stand with me and if you have a Bible you want to follow along in your Bible, great. If you want to just follow along as I read, I just follow along with the screen. While they were praying, the place that they were meeting trembled and shook. They were all filled by the Holy Spirit and continued to speak God's word with fearless confidence. The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus, and grace was on all of them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed it according to each person's need. Joseph, called by the apostles, Barnabas, which means son of comfort or encourager, a Levite born in Cyprus, sold a field that he owned, brought the money, and made an offering of it to the apostles. Please have a seat. We are entering into the middle of a story, and not all of us have been reading this story, so let me remind you of where we are. This community is being filled by the Holy Spirit because they're announcing the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is near. That's their message. That's the message that was proclaimed by Jesus. That message proclaimed by Jesus was introduced by John the Baptist, and it comes right out of the promises of the Old Testament, a king is coming. The kingdom of God is near. So, because the kingdom of God is near, you you need to change your perspective. You need to change your mind about the king. And to this point in our story, 8,000 plus Jews have changed their mind about Jesus. It's all happening in Jerusalem so far. And so you've got people that stood in a crowd, not all 8,000, but some of those 8,000 stood in the crowd when Jesus was being tried, and Pilate said, you know, I I don't find this man guilty. What am I going to do with him? And some of those people cried, crucify him, crucify him. He's a false messiah. He's leading leading us astray, crucifying. He deserves to die. Well, they've changed their mind about Jesus. Well, he's not a criminal. He's Christ. He's the Messiah. We made a big mistake. We've changed our mind, and now we're changing the direction of our life, and we're also changing our opinion about what this kingdom of God is. He's the Messiah. He's the king. And there's a lame man who for 40 years sat outside of the temple. People would toss him a coin or two. That's how he lived. But the day came that, you know, he along with Peter and John and anybody that witnessed this instantaneous healing of this lame man, his first entry into the temple, going up on the temple mound, and now he's praising God and he's shouting. Well, they're they're witnessing a healing by the authority of Jesus, who is the king. And as the writer of Hebrews says, everybody that's that's watching that event, they're they're tasting uh, the powers of the age to come. And that, that, that age to come is the Messianic age. That's the age that Messiah will come. 
and he will set everything right. But, it, but somehow it's begun in this event. And so there's this promised and preferred future, which, I mean, I, I think anybody that's ever kind of pushed the fast-forward button in the Bible and looked at where we're going, where we're going to end up, I mean, we would prefer that future. And that future begins to break into the present. There, so there's a bit of the future and the present in these events. Whenever that happens, the religious establishment, even with a historic revelatory faith like Judaism, is threatened. So arresting Peter, John, the layman, no due process, probably throwing them in the dungeon of Caiaphas, the high priest's home. Ooh, just again, wow. How does, how does your religion get, get to a place where you start arresting people and putting them in a dungeon, demanding an immediate end to announcing the kingdom, an immediate no more ministry, you know, no more healings, don't help any more lame people. Anything done in the name of Jesus, by the, don't do that anymore. And then the political muscle that's behind the death of Jesus and now behind these threats is the Roman Empire. And if you, if you think about it for a moment, really, you know, like Pilate is saying at the trial of Jesus, I don't, I don't, I don't find this guy guilty. So it's not Rome. Now, now Paul's going to get in trouble with Rome for a simple statement. Jesus is curious. Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Going to get a lot of trouble for that. But that was, that was the religion of the Roman Empire. So it's still religion. And now it's, and it's, Jude, it's, it's always the religious establishment that's against the advancement of the kingdom of God. So how, I mean, how in the world will this small and new movement, how are they going to survive? I mean, these are real threats. I mean, these are people that have already killed, and they will kill again. And so how are they, how are they what are they going to do? How are they going to survive? Well, in a word, really in a person, it's the Holy Spirit. There's no other explanation. Having received threats crying out to God, oh God, hear their threats. God answers their prayer. While, while they were praying, the place where they were meeting trembled and shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, better filled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not, he's not an object. And so he fills, our, he fills our life with things. With, and we're going to look at those things. So what does he fill our lives with? He doesn't fill our lives with himself. So you don't get a measure of the Holy Spirit. Here's Holy Spirit. Here go, Rand. My arm's coming. Holy Spirit's arm's coming into your Rand. You know, okay, then I'm going to get another arm in there, Rand. You know, then I'll get my foot in there, Rand. You know, you know it's, I mean, the, thing, the Holy Spirit is a person. So you don't get part of him. You either get, you get him in relationship and he, he influences our life or we, we, we're not influenced by him. It's just that simple. So it's what the Holy Spirit brings to our life. Not, not his actual presence. I mean, his presence is always around us. It's do we choose to be in relationship with him and do we get to a place where we're really desperate? Man, we're in a, we're in a bad spot and unless you fill us with something that we don't have, it's over. 
Well, he shook the place that they were meeting, and he filled them with fearless confidence. He filled them with a courage. And so that's, that's the first thing. When a community is being filled by the Holy Spirit, he fills that community with fearless confidence to continue. In spite of the threats, in spite of, you might die for this, in spite of those threats, in spite of the odds against it, they continue to announce the kingdom of God. They continue to do ministry by the authority of Jesus. So this community filled by the Spirit has a courage to do what God wants them to do rather than what the religious establishment is telling them not to do. So it'd be like these base jumpers. You know, if I was going to jump off that mountain, I need to have a, a measure, like a big measure of confidence in the chute on my back that it's going to work or I'm not going to do it. Last week we looked at the threat of the meteorite and, and you know, it just kind of that unnerved us. Well, I want, I want to show you just kind of a follow-up. Not, not everybody panicked in Russia when the meteorite went by. Here's a guy with fearless confidence. <laughs> Isn't that great? Oh, it's just a meteor streaking through my neighborhood. Look at this visor down. Well, this, this community filled by the Spirit also was filled with a, with a community resolve. The Scripture says the whole congregation of believers was united as, as one, one heart, one mind. That is an emphatic way of saying they were one and the same in their disposition. That means they were one in the way they were thinking about their situation, they were one in how they felt about their situation, and they were one in what they decided to do. And they decided, as a community, we're going to hold our ground, we're going to continue to announce the kingdom, and we're going to do what Jesus tells us to do by the authority Jesus gives us. And they did that as a community. They didn't say, hey, Peter, John, you guys, you two are in really big trouble. So good luck. Hope you guys have a resolve to face the threats. We're just going to kind of check out. No, as a community, Peter and John brought back that, hey, we're in trouble. As a community, we're in trouble. And together, because the Holy Spirit gave them resolve, the Holy Spirit produced within them one heart, one mind. We, we think about this the same way. We feel about this the same way. And we've decided... All of us were in it together. That's a Holy Spirit thing. He also, and I don't know of a, I don't know of a way to say this, so I'm just going to kind of go backwards and maybe this will help. Somehow the Holy Spirit reminded the community of the value of seeking first the kingdom. That if my life is threatened for announcing the kingdom... And demonstrating the, the kingdom by whatever God tells me to do in the authority of Jesus, then I need to be reminded that seeking first the kingdom is the priority of my life. And it seems that might give us an understanding of what's happening here. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, 
That's mine. You can't have it. They shared everything. Those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed it according to each person's need. Joseph, called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of comfort, encouragement, a Levite born in Cyprus, sold a field that he owned. He brought the money and he made an offering of it to the apostles. Now, now what that is teaching, that's not teaching us that wealth is bad and poverty is good. I mean, sir, that's just like surface. <laughs> but that's not what this is teaching. What this is teaching is there's a change of philosophy. Something is changing the course of our life so that, so that my, my mantra in life is no longer, it's mine, you can't have it, it's, it's ours, and we want to share it. It's ours. God's given these things to us. And we want to share it. And I think the only way that you could... How did they get there? How did, that, how did they shift? Well, they focused on the kingdom of God. But by focusing on the kingdom of God, they focused on Jesus. And so they're remembering, you know, our king, he wasn't about accumulating wealth. He was about serving the poor. Did you notice that, that everything that we contributed to Jesus, he gave away? Do you notice what's happening with these apostles? Again, remember the context. When the lame man says, hey, hey, gay brothers, got some change? Peter says, silver and gold I do not have. Well, what do you mean? People are selling their, they're bringing you all kinds of money. What, what are you doing? The apostles weren't living like kings. They weren't banking it. Everything they got, they gave away. Think about that for a moment. Contrast that, would you please, with many ministries in our day. If it's God's authority, if it's the kingdom of God, if it's the real thing, those that receive gifts to this magnitude distribute those gifts. They're not getting rich by being God's people. That's really important to see. I mean, Jesus cared for the poor, and, then he, and he cared for, you know, he cared for his team. So whatever they received, they shared together as a team. So they've learned this lifestyle. So Peter and John are sharing that. And then if you, then if you throw in, there, in the mix Barnabas, Barnabas is a Jew that's living in Cyprus, who comes to know Jesus, changes his mind, probably was at Pentecost. He changes his mind. He's now following Jesus. And he's thinking, you know, announcing the kingdom is going out to the nations. And I think I'm going to go to the nations. You know what? I'm not going back to Cyprus. I don't need what I own in Cyprus because I'm not going home. So he sold what he had. He gave it to the apostles to be sent out. That was their mentality. You remember Jesus, when he sent them out, he sent them out with nothing. Why? So we, that they, we'd learn to trust. Can you trust in your father that he'll provide for you as you go? Well, Barnabas was one of those guys. So they're funding the mission. They're funding caring for each other through the Holy Spirit just absolutely reminding everybody 
that there is a kingdom that has come, that is coming, and it is worth making that kingdom the priority of your life and the righteousness of that kingdom. And with that came great power and great grace so that the apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus and grace was on all of them. So again, it's not just the apostles being the heroes. There was a great power that came through their testimony. Jesus is alive. It's a reminder that, hey, this is another installment. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, as in Acts 1, you'll be able, you'll be empowered to be my witnesses. So here are empowered witnesses. They're giving great powerful testimony about Jesus. And then powerful things like the healing of a lame man are happening. Those things are happening. Why? Because they're just being obedient to doing what Jesus said. Announce my kingdom. I'll provide the empowerment for you to do that. But it's not just the apostles being the heroes. As they're obedient, and again, keep it in light of the threats, the community... There's a, there's a grace about the community that, that, that you can't produce it. It's something that God gives, this, uh, this, this unbelievable favor that falls upon a people. Great grace, great power. And that power and grace is to persuade others to come along into the kingdom. Come with us in following Jesus. Then it ends, this paragraph ends, as the Holy Spirit is filling this community it ends with every need in the community met. And so it turned out that not a, a person among them was needy. If you, if you just kind of read and reread that, it's not just about the distribution of goods and services. Every need. So every spiritual need, every emotional need, every physical need. The apostles then distributed, to, 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 to distributed according to each person's need. So if you, you know, if you go to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, that, would be a good, that would be a place to go and realize, wow, every need that humanity has is being met by a community that is being filled by the Holy Spirit with the resources to care for every need. And I put this one up there because this is showing you that in today's world, some of the needs that we all have, humanity shares these needs, are being met through social media. You can see Facebook up there and Twitter. If you squint, I don't know what the other little symbols mean. You probably do. Well, see, they're doing this without social media. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have the Internet. So this is just person to person, family to family, a community that the Holy Spirit gives the resources to care for one another. So as I look at that, and I think about this community in the past being filled with the Holy Spirit, I can't help but say, wow, do, do, I, do I want the Holy Spirit to fill our community with these things? Yeah, I do. I would love for us to have a fearless confidence to announce the kingdom. It takes courage in the place and the time that we live to say the kingdom of God is near. People will look at you and say, well, wait, I mean, 
You know, we're 2,000 plus years removed. How, what do you mean by near? So you're going to have to defend what that means. It takes courage. If you're announcing the kingdom, the kingdom of God is near. And Jesus says for you to do such and such and so and such with the power he's going to give you, it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to face the skeptics that we have all around us because we've got, we've got 2,000 years of history sometimes that we have to overcome where the message has been sometimes good, the message has been bad. It's hard. So we need that same fearless confidence to continue to announce, yes, the kingdom of God is within reach. You can enter the kingdom of God. We, we need resolve as a community to stay on that course. I mean, I mean, we've all been in churches where, you know, you, you, you start going one direction and then you start going that direction. And then you start going that direction. You go that direction. You go that direction. And if you look at the universal church, what way is the church going? Well, there, there's a course that Jesus set for us. You all exist to do this. And so a community empowered by the Holy Spirit to stay the course, to resolve. We all agree in our thoughts. We all feel the same way about this. We, all are, we make these decisions because we believe we exist to announce the kingdom of God to our generation. That's our true north. Well, to stay on that, we need the Holy Spirit to fill us with that kind of resolve. Seeking first the kingdom. Well, we all know the temptations. We, all, we keep... You know, is, is the kingdom first? No, you wait, wait, I, trying to figure that out. Seek first the kingdom and, and its righteousness, the righteousness of our king. I mean, we live in a, what is right. You know, we, we know the challenges of that. So having a, just the Holy Spirit remind us, this is what's right. This is, this is a good decision. This is what you want to give your life for. Seek first this. Power, grace. We need it. We, everything that they got, we need. And so when, you, when, it, when the Holy Spirit's pouring these things into a community, a community can say, every need met. You've heard me say many times, my, my aspiration is, is not to pastor a church of a thousand. But you know what? If we could influence 8,000 people in New Braunfels to be a community that's filled by the Holy Spirit in this way, would I want to be a part of that? I sure would. Because, <laughs> you know, what would, that, what would that do to our city? If there were 8,000 people influenced by the Holy Spirit with fearless confidence, resolve, the priority of seeking the kingdom first, the power of our king, the grace of his kingdom, a community where every need is met. What, what would that do to our city? What would that do to the region, to San Antonio, to New Braunfels, to San Marcos? What would that do? So it really comes down to a real simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill our community. 
and, and this is what we want him to fill our, our community. He did it in the past. Surely he'll do it again. Now, in order, just to make the point before we pray the prayer, I want you to go, go back to uh, Maslow's little hierarchy of needs. He says, we share this, this time. Uh, every one of us has a need that this morning is unmet. You know, if you look at that, there's some physiological needs. You know, food, water, sleep. I mean, some of us didn't get a full night of sleep last night. I mean, I woke up at four with something ringing in my ears. I have no idea what that was. I thought, man, am I entering another season? I don't know what this is. And it was, I don't know where that came from. It's just so bizarre. That was a physiological need. And I said, Jesus, I have a need because I want to go back to sleep. And I don't want to have a ringing in my ear. Some of us have needs of safety, security. Some of us have, the, have just the need of belonging, friend, just really, I mean, friendship, family. Some of us have the need of esteem, self-esteem, confidence. Some of us have the need of self-actualization. What, what am I really living for? Is there really a purpose? Is there really a higher purpose? So as I look at that, and I look at us, and I know myself, and I know my own family, I, I know there are unmet needs here, right now, among us. Now, I'm not asking you to stand and say, hello, my name is Scott, and my need is. I'm not asking you to do that. But I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, would you be honest enough to say, by standing... I, yeah, I, I can relate to at least one of those needs. There's something in my life that's unmet right now. If that's true, would you stand? Isn't it great to be a human? That's who we are with people. We're humanity. Now, when we pray, Holy Spirit, come. And fill us, we're, we're really asking that he would give us the resources to take care of each other. So, I mean, here we are, we're just, we are just a group of people that need, we need Jesus, and we need the resources of his kingdom, and, and we need each other. And so as we're praying, what I'm really asking is, Holy Spirit, would you give us what we need for each other and then that we would care for each other well? Does that make sense? Is that fair? Can I do that? Okay. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful that we can look back in history and we thank you for that, that at the very beginning of this thing that we belong to, the ecclesia, the church, the community of people following Jesus, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you gave to people just like us everything that was needed so that a community could meet every need. And here we stand. We are people with, with an assortment of needs and as we stand together, what we're saying is, Holy Spirit, 
we recognize that we need you to give to us, to deposit within us everything that you deposited in this first century church. Everything they received, we need. And, and we want to receive so that we can look at each other and care for each other so that the day could come that we could say, you know, every need is being met in this community. And Lord, I also thank you that connected to that is as you would meet our needs by the Holy Spirit providing the resources, by us receiving those resources, by us giving those resources away, by us saying, you know, what we have, we want to share. Lord, I thank you that you give us an abundance so that we can look out at the cities that we come from and that you give us enough to give away in San Marcos, in New Braunfels, San Antonio, and it keeps going. So Holy Spirit, come. Fill us with your resources. Fill us with the ability to see that your kingdom is the priority of our lives and that we discover what is right by focusing on what is right according to you. Holy Spirit, come and fill us with the ability to look at the stuff that we have in our life and say, that stuff is not important. That stuff is from you, and we thank you. And we thank you that you've invited us to receive and to share with one another. So Holy Spirit, as you fill us with all that we need, I pray that you would give us a love for one another, that you would give us the enjoyment of caring for one another, that, Lord, we could really celebrate the possibility, I mean the very real possibility, that within this community of people, every need is met. I know that we can't do that by ourselves, so we invite you to come to fill us with your resources. to change the way that we think that what we receive we receive to share for your sake and for your kingdom in your name amen thank you friends for our time together